0: Hello, everyone and welcome to an episode of navigating justice the podcast where oklahomans for criminal justice reform's ambassadors who are formerly incarcerated individuals share their experiences their insights and lessons to educate and inspire for a more equitable oklahoma i am one of the hosts of uh, oklahomans for criminal justice reform's other podcast oklahoma odyssey formerly known as pulse My name is Ashley. I am also our Interactive Marketing Manager. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into an important and often overlooked topic, the stigmas against men seeking help for both mental and physical health issues. We're talking about this because it's Men's Health Month, and we think this is a really good opportunity to start digging into this. We'll explore how the stigmas impact individuals, families and communities and how they can even lead to criminal legal involvement and even imprisonment. Joining us today are some of my fellow co-workers and some of our ambassadors who can introduce themselves.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Navigating Justice. My name is Ryan Mukes. I'm an ambassador with OCJR. And like my coworker explained to you here, we're here to explain a couple of things about men's health and how they affect the criminal justice system.
2: And hello, my name is Whitney Brown. I'm an ambassador with OCJR. And we're thrilled to be here and shed light on this crucial topic
0: So we're gonna start by kind of digging into the stigmas. I don't think it's gonna be jarring to anyone to know that there is a stigma against both men seeking help for mental health issues as well as physical health issues. So I think it's going to be easier um, for us to kind of start in this mental space. We know that society really perpetuates this notion that men have to be strong and tough. How do you guys think this impacts their willingness to seek support?
1: Uh, Yes, most definitely, Ashley. In the society we live in, especially in the culture that I come from, there's a lot of people against being aware of your mental health, which I like to call being mentally intelligent and emotionally intelligent. And I feel like it's due to the fact that we feel like that we have to do a lot of worrying about our financial stability. And a lot of folks in um, the community I come from have to worry about where they're gonna get a meal that day, and let alone have the wherewithal to be worried about their health and or mental health at that time as well. So that's another thing that makes it kind of difficult to navigate being healthy in certain communities. And, and uh, especially for men, um in the aspect of you worried about what people think about you and how they're gonna perceive you because you live life so differently than they do, right? And it's not even that you live life differently, it's that, that you've taken the time to, uh, to really put an emphasis on your health and make sure that when you're physically healthy, it leads to mentally, health, at least to your mental health, and it makes your mental health a lot more easier to to be able to deal with at, at certain times as well.
2: It's true. Men often face significant barriers when it comes to seeking help. They may fear being perceived as weak or vulnerable, which goes against societal expectations of masculinity. As a result, they tend to suffer in silence, which can be a serious consequence for their well-being.
0: Yeah, I think it's important kind of both sides of this. It's not really just what we think of as mental health. It's not just like, oh, this person is sad or they're going through depression. Like Ryan's saying, it's this stacking effect. Like you might have a mental health issue and then you can't talk about that because society deems that inappropriate for a man to talk about. You know, you just need to push through, toughen up, move on. And then on top of that, it's not just that one aspect of your life that you're shielding and you're hiding and you're protecting, it also ends up being your financial status and it also ends up being um, what your home looks like, where you're living, if there's um, different cliques, we'll call them in this context, in your neighborhood that you need to be aware of. Um, All of these things begin to stack up and it's not just the stigma of mental health that men can't talk about. It's it's feelings. It's so much broader. It's like their lives, their experiences, their feelings. Them as a whole, they aren't able to, to freely talk about. And I think that, like Whitney's saying, that leads to it being really difficult to seek help because where do you start? Do you start by saying, you know in my community, I'm being looked down upon for not having this, or in my community, I was never given this in my childhood and I'm feeling this, you know, they've got just this mountain of things that begin to stack. And that just leads additionally to opening the door to some some really serious mental health concerns that many men can have and often go undiagnosed or untreated, untalked about because of these stigmas.
1: Yeah, most definitely, Ashley, going off of your stacking effect, most definitely, as you said, that it leads me into thinking about how a man's ego, it could put a big barrier between him, his mental health and his physical health. And the fact of thinking I'm big and strong and I'm okay the way I am um, because I've been living this long and I've been dealing with it. And that's that's the man, you know, like, oh, I got this, you know, like I can do it by myself. And honestly, as a human being, we all need help. And it doesn't matter what it's in or whatever, we could all use a hand, especially when it comes to mental health, being able to have even just a friend to talk to about the things you're going, to, going through at the times and the things you will be going through later on in life as you're navigating um, could help a lot. And to have someone to work out with and throw ideas off of, motivate you and help, I never had that in my journey, but I took it upon myself to dissolve my ego and swallow my pride and start building myself up in a, in a physical way. And it led to me being more, way more conscious of my mental health what I eat, where I go, how how I drive, just a whole list of, of things that opened up the door for a positive living. And, and when I start focusing on my health, a lot of these things that you're saying are things that prevent men from even looking at being healthy, right? For me, it was, it was going to the doctor and realizing I had high blood pressure and was overweight at 25 and started to really put an emphasis on what I eat and how I exercise, stopped lifting weights, got more into cardio exercises, not eating as much meat as I did and things like that. And uh, it really helped me a lot.
2: And that's great, Ryan. That's so great, actually, that you were able to come to these things on your own. And that is a very hard thing because as you're already in a not very well mental state and you're stacking all of these things on top of it, trying to focus on your high blood pressure or your eating habits or your exercising, those things are seen low at the bottom of the list when you're not even able to function completely on simple things of grasping the day or You know, I couldn't imagine someone waking up not being able to fully function on top of trying to make those simple dots meet, like taking care of their hygiene that day or being able to take proper medications that day or just however, whatever is needed to get their mental health under control with still trying to stack on all of those other things and uphold like we were saying before, the standards of society, fulfill requirements of those that we know that are depending on us. It's just it's so many things that could get in the way of that. So for you to be able to still uphold those things on top of having other issues, mental health issues, That I think
1: that's an awesome thing. Whitney. For me, I had to realize that it doesn't take that long to go jog. You know, it, it, it literally only takes 15 minutes for the slowest person to to jog or walk a mile. You, you mm. But that's a start. You get up and that's how I started. I just told myself like, hey, I, am I overthinking this? Like everything else, I'm sitting here letting it debilitate me mentally which it was leading to me a downward spiral on my mental health. Cause I'm all inside of my head about what society says about me, right? What society thinks about me or what I think society thinks about me. And, and also what things that people in society have said to me knowing my past. So you're so right. But you what you have to do is just, is just realize that it doesn't take that much time out of your day to be able to go do a little bit of exercise. Like I said, take a walk around the block as a start. And the more I began to do these things, the more I realized how out of shape I was as in my young, at, in, 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 in my late twenties to early thirties, like I said, being diagnosed with high blood pressure. And I had to say to myself, am I living life? You know, or am I letting life live me? You know, I'm just going through the motions every day, waking up because of my circumstances and situations, which that was not true. My mind wanted me to believe like that was true. My circumstances did not define me. Our circumstances do not define who we are as, as people and as human beings. But if you can just remember, it doesn't take that long to get out and go take a walk. And when you're taking this walk, all these bad thoughts will start to clear your mind. You'll start to pay attention to mother nature, become more with what's with, with around your, your surroundings and, and be in tune with mother nature, like I said, and she'll. Motivate you to want to do better and be better. So that most definitely something that that you realize that not, I'm sure that not only men go through, but it's a little tougher for us because we have that stigma of oh we have to be macho and we have to be strong and nothing can ever be wrong. No, that's not true. You have to be honest with yourself and say, hey, right now I'm a little overwhelmed. Maybe I should take some time, take a walk around the block, go to the gym, lift some some dumbbells or anything and it'll automatically once you force yourself to get in that activity it would automatically take your brain away from those negative thoughts and things that you have and 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 this is for me speaking speaking personally and also helping others with their journey and their physical health that led to them being more conscious of their of mental health
2: that's great that you said that that actually reminds me of I had a friend that was diagnosed with schizophrenia and he was not even aware of it because I believe that schizophrenia starts to manifest in men at age of 25 or 26 and he lived a perfect normal life Up until age 25, he actually even had custody of his two nephews and he had a good paying job. He actually worked his whole life, but at the age of 25 was working at a manufacturing company, making a pretty good money and had a, a nice house and car. Everything was going well for himself, But those stressors were piling on top of each other. He at the end of the day, he didn't have an escape route. He didn't have something to do other than smoking weed or drinking or something like that as an avenue of escape. There, He didn't have a, um, a go to the gym or go walking or go listen to some music at a concert or something. He didn't have any of those things, not even church or anything in place. So I do believe that. His mental health uh, crisis was definitely boosted by the fact of not having those things in place. Of course, on top of not having the medication and everything he needed, but maybe just those few little things would have been able, or he would have been able to clear his head a little and maybe not take the option that he took, which was actually he actually ended up shooting himself and he didn't pass away, thank God. But the Episode that was created in his head during his schizophrenia episode led him to do that. I just think that it's amazing that you have those things in place. And that leads me to think about what about the guys that are incarcerated or in places that they're not able to just get out and enjoy Mother Nature and take a walk on the street as we are, or like say for instance they're having an episode like that and we're in the middle of count time or in the middle of lockdown and they can't get out and get those things off their mind or do you know that that just kind of puts me in that
1: realm of thinking. In in those situations actually is where I begin to learn watching older guys who have been incarcerated do push-ups in their cells, it might get on your silly nerve, but you have to explain to them, hey, bro, I need to I need to get this energy out, you know, And mm-hmm. you understand like, hey, OK, I get that. You know what I mean? That's where it starts. And then if if you don't, sometimes you don't have enough room in the cell. So what you could do is uh, what I used to do is is focus on my breathing, a meditative state. Right. Just focus on the in and out, Uh, you know, focus on breathing in and breathing out, try to clear your mind and literally center in just on your breathing. That's something that has helped me. And it it takes time to get to a place to where it works proficiently. But as you get more into it and, and, and become more conscious, of being uh in a meditative state it becomes easier and it really does help so not all times will you be able to yes go expend physical energy to to suppress your mental thoughts right so something else you could do is listen to music like you said it doesn't always have to go to a concert like um a lot of times when i'm overwhelmed i listen to kenny g it's jazz or the house of noise, uh, just something instrumental and not w- without anyone's words on it, interrupting my thoughts, but something, or or now they have these uh, meditative uh, sounds like oceans and birds chirping. There's, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Even if you just have a, a regular little old smartphone, you can hit that Google bar. It's not just you, this feels this way. And it's not just because I was incarcerated or I've made mistakes in my life, but it's simply because I'm a human being simply be. No other other reason or rhyme or reason behind it than us being human beings and having a weak mental lapse at that time.
0: What's so important of what we're talking about is this is coping mechanisms. You know, what we're talking about here is coping with the reality that we all are living in. This is a time and when we have the most polarized politics across the nation. This is a time when we have the highest level of individuals living in poverty, the highest level of ACEs scores for children, which is adverse childhood experiences, This sort of generational trauma that so many of us are living with, whether it be because we lived in an area that wasn't very safe or we had a family member who was struggling with mental health issues themselves, and therefore passed some of their bad behaviors on to us. What we're talking about here is coping mechanisms and when someone, anyone, anyone lacks, a coping mechanism, it can manifest. We're not saying it always does, and we're not making excuses for some of the choices that people have made over time. What we're saying is that some of these coping mechanisms that exist, that many of us use, manifest themselves in a way of an addiction. And so the other side of this, this is what we're we're not saying so far, is that a coping mechanism could be kind of like Whitney alluded to drugs or alcohol or um, it could lead you to be in a property or a place that's not your own which would then give you all of these things that we're talking about now we're moving into the realm of criminal legal involvement the importance of these coping mechanisms is that they allow you to have a healthy way to handle the problems that we all are dealing with but if you aren't educated on these, which so many of us are not educated on healthy coping mechanisms. So many of us were never taught. Nobody ever invested in us. the school systems for sure are not teaching us how to do this. Um, If you're not taught, you're just going to find a coping mechanism one way or another. And for men, I can't speak fully, Ryan, you could give me a little bit more of your perspective on this, but from what I see for many of the men in my life, drinking you know smoking that is what's kind of pushed on them not as a coping mechanism but it therefore kind of becomes one but like that is an outlet that's given so to speak for our (laughs) listeners who don't see my face I was doing some uh quotes on air quotes on that an outlet so to speak for them and if that outlet isn't of societal's moral value system then it's going to lead you to have um, involvement in the criminal legal system as well. So that's the other side of this that we're talking about. These coping mechanisms are so important. They don't have to be robust, but they have to be able to be effective for you um, no matter who you are because anyone, anyone can find themselves with criminal legal involvement.
2: Actually, the percent of people in state prisons who have been diagnosed with a mental disorder is 43%. In locally run jails, it's 44%. The number of people experiencing serious psychological distress in jails is one in four. The percent of people in federal prisons who reported not receiving any mental health care while incarcerated is 66%. In state prisons, it's 74%. The percent of police shootings in 2015 that involved a mental health crisis is 27%. The portion of people jailed three plus times within a year who report having a moderate or serious mental illness is 27%. Right.
0: What we're seeing here is that if you have a mental health crisis, you probably have more likely a touch point with the criminal legal system. We talk about this all the time through OCJR is what's the touch point? Because unfortunately it could be nearly anything. You get a parking ticket or you get a speeding ticket. You can't pay that fine. Then you have a um, warrant out for you. Then they have extra consequences. Then the fine is doubled, triple all these fees. You did something normal that everyone does. You sped. And how that can just absolutely destroy your life is insane but what we're talking about here is how mental health can be that touch point just simply having post-traumatic stress disorder which so many people don't know how common that is and it's exasperated by prison even more so but some of these things that so many of us are living with but it's undiagnosed or it's untreated can end up landing you in a prison even though Society did nothing to educate you on mental health, and society did nothing to help you along the way either.
1: Correct, Ashley. Um, One of those things that I always keep in mind um, when I start to get a little overwhelmed is the fact that it's hard to um, put an emphasis on any kind of health coming from certain communities when you felt like you've never had a chance from the beginning. Um, We talk a lot about second chances. But I must remind our listeners that there are some folks in some communities and areas that really never stood a chance from the beginning because of the way that certain laws are put in place to, let's just say, target certain individuals. And those individuals usually already have major mental problems from the beginning. Um, When you grow up in a, uh, uh, you know, in a community where you have a, a lack of money, a, a poverty, when you grow up in poverty, it, it automatically creates mental issues that that most people who don't grow up in poverty have automatically. It cr- it creates trust issues. Um, it it it's hard for people coming from these. Uh, uh, situations to know how to share, to even be uh, certain human, regular human, compassions are never taught coming from certain communities because of the lack of resources and money in these communities, and and that automatically leads to your 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 self esteem being low. You know you you don't have that much courage to get out and you know go make make a better life for yourself because you see you don't see it around you. There's nothing in your community that you can reach out and grab or reach out and, and, and have a conversation with someone to, to to teach you how to get out of your situation, right? Everyone around you is stuck in a similar situation and, and doing their best they can to survive and not even really uh, putting the emphasis on trying to get out of that situation, right? They feel like they're so trapped in that situation because that's all they ever seen and know. And then the ones who do begin to try to pull themselves out of the situation, they're turning around and looking looking back like how, you know can i really do this like it's, it's so hard i don't i don't have anyone to help me i you know who do i turn to when i need help who do i turn to when i need to talk about these things that i'm going through so it makes it really difficult in certain um communities to be able to be healthy if you keep striving to make yourself better and uplift the people around you it's not going to be easy and you're still going to trem- uh, uh, experience tremendous uh problems that, that are going to hinder your health at the same time. But as long as you look around you and, and, and realize what you're doing and trying to get yourself out of your situation, then, then you will have the wherewithal and the courage to keep pushing and, and, and help others around you, uh, hopefully be able to come out of their situation as well.
0: That reminds me actually of a study. Um, anyone who watches the other, listens to the other podcast knows that Mike and I are massive nerds. Um, So these studies just live inside my brain, Um, but John Spencer, Dr. Spencer from the University of East uh, Anglia did a study basically trying to see what poverty does to children's brains. How is poverty affecting people truly when you look at it from a scientific lens? And what it found is kind of twofold. It found that children who are in poverty are therefore more apt to be stressed and more apt to be seeing violence. That's just, it is what it is unfortunately in that. And the other thing that they found is that they have fewer tools cognitively to deal with these. So a child who has gone through poverty, their brain quite literally will shrink the part of their brain that is there to deal with emotional regulation Um, It also leads to lower academic achievement because the brain, it's it's in fight or flight, basically, is what we all know it as. And so it's dedicating that space elsewhere because it wants to keep you alive. And so it's like, okay, this is where the stressor is. This is where I'm going to beef up your brain because you've got this. And it leads to um, those children not having very good memory. They have significant memory issues. Some of that is a coping mechanism for many children to not want to remember that part of their childhood, but it is cognitively, their brain has literally shrunk that part and it's like, let's be frank, you don't need this. The memory, not what you need to live. So we're not going to prioritize it. Um, Planning and decision-making is the other thing though. They did a a follow-up study on this recently for adults and adults who live in poverty and have grown up in poverty have a harder time with long-term planning and that's not their fault that's, again, that fight or flight response. They're used to the now. What do I need to do right now to make it to tomorrow? We're not thinking about a year down the road. I don't care. I can't even begin to fathom how that will look. We're here and we're now and we're in this. So I'm just thinking about that when you're talking about um, not just coping mechanisms, but just kind of how robust Poverty is and how that shapes you as a human being for forever and it puts you in a completely different bracket of other people if you're looking at your friends who grew up in the suburbs and you're like. Oh my gosh they can do this and they can like academically they're doing this or emotionally their maturity is here it's so hard for you to understand, but you have to that that's not your fault and that you will have a harder journey in getting to where they are. They'll still be just as rewarding and it'll be your own journey, but that you were put at a cognitive disadvantage due to your socioeconomic status of your parents. And I think that that is another thing that needs to be talked about is if you have mental health problems, also in by and large, that is not your fault. No one should ever think it is your fault, but it is literally your brain being different than someone else. And you had no way of solving that. And I think that some people take it as, you know, it's my fault or I should have been stronger. I should have been this, I should have that. It is truly, you have a different chemical makeup within your brain.
1: That's so true, Ashley. Um, it, that, that leads me into thinking about, as a kid, like it was hard to focus in school, right? When I was worried about, am I gonna come home? Is, is my dad gonna be gone for two weeks getting high? You know, uh, not only am I dealing with that, then I gotta worry about one of my partners in the neighborhood getting shot and dying. Uh, where am I gonna get a meal that night? You know, there's so many little uh, different things that you have to uh, navigate growing up in pro- poverty and and, and it doesn't allow you to, to, to have forward thinking. You're so caught up in the moment trying to figure out how am I gonna survive through this moment, through this minute, through this hour, through this day. And then once you get to that point and you can lay your head down at the end of the night, all you want to do is rest, right? You don't you don't want to think about how you have to just survive through the day. And then once you do start to be conscious and think about those things, that 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 can put you in a deep uh, spiral of depression because you're looking around and thinking like, oh, how is my life going to ever get better? And, and, and something else you uh, said that I have to remind people that are listening is that, If you come from these situations and once you do pull yourself out of them, it's even more gratifying than someone who had a lot of assistance, right? That shows what kind of uh, perseverance, strength, and courage you have as a human being, as a person. So just because you have these things that you feel like may be um, holding you back. Sometimes they can be catapults to lift you to heights that you never thought you would be before, right? Once you start to be brave enough to, to tell your story and, 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 and to express to people that you want to be better than what you have been and that you want to uh, become more than where you came from. There's a lot of people that will assist you and maybe not uh, financially, but give you encouragement and put you in the right places to better yourself as a human being. And and all these things is health. You know, I, I consider health as wealth. And a lot of situations, if your mind is right, you can think yourself through a lot of situations without money. Um, and it's and, and it's that simple. But you have to build those coping mechanisms and, and skills and uh, to be able to understand life and and to be able to navigate it right. And 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 that's my main purpose um, and what I like to put an emphasis on.
0: Yeah, I think that. We're talking so much about, you know, how life stacks so unfairly against many people. And as Ryan said, I don't want to pretend that it's not by design. It is by and large, especially in the United States, by design that some individuals are going to have life that is much harder than others. Um, No reason to shy away from that. But on the other hand, so when we look at all of the life that the United States has given, to people of color, and then they set these traps for them to have this criminal legal involvement, what happens to their mental health when they do? What happens when this inevitable happens? You set them up to be poor, to have poor resources, and you set them up to be incarcerated for being poor and having poor resources. So then the question becomes, how does their physical health, how does their mental health, how is it affected because of that trap that you set them? Because of incarceration, where does this set us? So That's for you guys to answer.
1: Right, That that is so um, correct. When the system puts you in a, in a corner, you're gonna fight back. That's pretty much what's gonna happen, Ashley. Um, you're gonna figure out a way to beat the system or try to beat the system or get around the things they have in place to keep you in this corner, right? And then what you'll do is turn it, act like you're turning your back. And and a lot of times for me, it led to pulling people down in my community, right? Uh, thinking selling drugs. I was beating the system by not paying taxes and having to go up and, and work for the man every day, right? Led to me being able to take an easier route. I, I'm just gonna flat out say I took the easier route. Um, It was easier for me to pick up a bag and, and pump poison into my community because I wasn't aware of what was set up for me, like you said. I wasn't aware that the system knew once it painted me in this corner that I was probably only gonna do a handful of things. Rob, steal, kill, pillage. Like when you put in that position, there's only a a, a few negative things that you feel like you can do because that's all you really know. That's all people put an emphasis on when you turn on the news and saying, oh, look, this guy got killed or this was stole here. You know, they don't talk about the guys that come out and, and say, hey, I'm not going back that way. No matter when they re- when they do get released, into what Whitney was saying, when you do get released and realize, okay, that system was set up for me to go through that. And that's what I did. I realized, like, okay, you got me. Fooled me once. Shame on me twice, right? So I I begin and, and it wasn't easy. It uh we're talking 13 years. To be honest, it took over 10 years to really, for me, after being released from prison, to get a hold on uh, my health, period. A little bit every year, I got a little bit better, getting getting a little bit better physically and mentally uh, healthier, right? And the more emphasis I did put on my physical health, the more, like I said, and I'll probably say again through this uh, podcast, is that it helped me so much gather my thoughts. You know what I mean? Be able to uh, gather them and process them, right? And then be able to apply these things that I'm thinking, and these positive things that I was thinking, right? Because I would think a lot of, of positive things, but I didn't see myself being that person, right? Because society painted this picture of me before I even knew who I was. So I had to take the time to begin uh, to begin to learn who I was as a man and as a person. It was kind of rough because I had to do some soul searches and I had to realize that uh, I was a booger. And i I I'd done some things that I wasn't uh, proud of at all, you know. And for me, that was something else that made me realize that I was on the right track, right? I had remorse. I, I was remorseful for all the things that I had done that I knew that I shouldn't have done, either right or wrong. Whether the government said it was right, my conscience as a human being knew when I wasn't doing something right. And I went against that for the betterment of financial stability, material things, right? It's just a big old recurring cycle once you get caught in the system and you realize that maybe I was in this cycle without being in the system already. When you're trying to learn all these things, there's certain obstacles uh, put in place for for, uh, certain communities to, to not be able to facilitate that growth, to hinder that growth and kind of keep you in that childish mindset of being able to take the easy way out and, and pump the poison into your community. Or there's, there's a, a lot of people who just see the good in you and all you're living out is the worst of yourself. Right. And, and it takes a lot, uh, for a man, for me, it took a lot for me to realize that these people see something in me that I don't even see in myself. Um, a lot of times along our journey and, and, um, being, a mentally unstable we look at these people like oh what what are they what do they want from me are they out to get me or whatever no it's because they genuinely love you and they see something in you that you don't see in yourself and they're wanting to facilitate that the good they can see there is a way to to overcome all these things and no it's not easy it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be given to you 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 got to put in the hard work but what I realized, and I, and I made an emphasis on that, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to be a drug dealer. It, it wasn't easy to, uh, to do any of the things that I was doing, right? It wasn't easy to live that life I was living. So I had to say to myself, if, if it wasn't easy to do all these negative things, it surely ain't going to be easy to do all these positive things. But I'm going to get a better outcome when I start doing these positive things. I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to uplift myself. If society don't want to uplift me and believe in me, then I can do it, right? I survived all this stuff in the streets for a reason. And that's what I had to realize. If you make it through all this stuff that we have talking about, you have to realize that you made it there for a reason and you're still here for a reason. If you don't start living out that purpose, then that's when you're going to really start dying. I love how
2: you said that. That was excellent. That's so true. That was excellent
0: right and it goes to that systemic nature that we keep talking about this system i think one of the first steps is to understand that this system isn't designed for everyone not that that's groundbreaking shocking news for people but understanding the gravity of how much of the system is against you i think is powerful step after step it's always right there behind you waiting for you to make a misstep and unfortunately for some people their missteps have so much more consequence. Their small missteps have such graver consequences than others. Like, let's just be frank, me making a misstep is going to be so very different than when Ryan makes a misstep. The society is looking at us very differently. And that is worth noting. I think also we keep talking about How the system has been set up or often talking about the criminal legal system has been set up to trap people, especially people of color, especially black men. We know that the war on drugs was designed through and through to incarcerate black men. We know that as Jim Crow laws began to become unfavorable to the public, they said, hmm, how can we rebrand this? How can we little marketing trick this up? and still get the desired outcome, and they did get the desired outcome, and by and large we still do, but in other ways society continues to fail. Our citizens, particularly our citizens of color, is through what I was calling earlier poor resources, and I see that as um, poor education, they deem basically the least amount of resources they can to impoverished communities, which happen to usually be communities of color. On top of that, that would be a lack of access to healthcare. We know the healthcare system in the United States is an absolute utter wreckage. And that means that people of color often don't have healthcare period. If you're sitting wondering like, Am I gonna eat today? Am I gonna feed only my kid and not me? Am I, How am I gonna pay bills, this, that, and the other? You're not thinking let me go dish out a couple hundred dollars every month for health care, and on top of that still have to pay co-pays and on top of that still have to pay for every single specialist and procedure out of pocket anyways. That, let me just be super frank and honest, isn't even anywhere in your vocabulary or like forethought whatsoever. Because again, we're talking about this long-term planning. You're not doing that. You're not thinking, let me take some money away from my here and now to dish out that I might need later. You don't have that luxury. So I think that now is the time that we can start to connect these dots. We've been talking about how mental health issues can lead to touch points with the criminal legal system. Physical health problems can also lead to touch points with the criminal legal system. Um, Something that we heard on one of our um, webinars that moved both Ryan and I, and that like, clicked and made so much sense but at the same time was like holy crap <laughs> I was talking about dental problems and she said it was uh, Brittany Hayes of Healthy Minds here in Oklahoma amazing group you should look them up if you haven't and if you're interested in this kind of like mental health zone of how it's progressing or not in Oklahoma legislation wise and she was saying um, a tooth rot is the quickest way rot your brain and it's kind of that like direct access if you have dental problems then you're going to inevitably have mental health problems that's what research tells us is there are physical health issues that manifest as mental health issues as well and then that is another stacking form you've got the physical you've got the mental and now if you don't have that coping mechanism which so many of us don't then we all know exactly where that's going to lead for certain communities.
1: Correct, Ashley. Uh, for me, that, that stood out because, you know, I was in the streets f- for a major ma- majority of my life and uh, a couple of things came to mind when she said that because I know some people who were really trying to change their life and get clean. I mean, got, you know, got clean, got a better job and, and were having problems with their dental, you know, and they regress because they. one lady specifically told me, I can't smile. It's hard for me to work because all I'm worried about is people looking at my rotted teeth, right? So she quit her job and went right back to using drugs. Um, And and for me, uh, growing up in the streets and selling drugs, uh, I used to have money all the time, but I was too busy worried about facilitating everything else that I never put an emphasis on going to the dentist, right? Luckily that I took care of my teeth enough that I never really had any major teeth issues. Um, Keep my fingers crossed. I never will. But um, yeah, that's something that a lot of people like you can build yourself up in every way, but then you can get clean, get a job, change how you think. But then every time you smile or every time someone sees you and they make that look, if you got, you know, it kind of takes you right back there. And it's not just with, And that's not just with uh, dental health. That happens in, in, in a whole bunch of different areas, right? Like if you're overweight because you don't have the proper nutrition and you're only really eating what you can to survive every day, right? you know, and you want to get yourself together, but you're looking at yourself like, wow, I got this aspect mentally, physically, I mean, mentally and emotionally, but how do I get the physical to come with it? You know what I mean? So that's another physical, uh like you said, aspect that, that people don't realize that takes a major toll on someone trying to get their lives together and come out of their situation.
2: Absolutely. A program that I was Um, a part of One Time Women in Recovery, that was one of the initial steps in recovery that the team made an effort to make sure we got taken care of once we were starting the program. We focused on our dental, we focused on getting food, getting our EBT food stamps and everything in order in our housing. So that was like one of the major things that they focused on in recovery. And I never knew why they were so zoomed in on dental, but it makes a whole lot of sense to me now. And as you were saying, Ryan, I've never really had dental issues throughout my whole life, but I've never really visited the dentist that much either. I just was blessed enough to not have them as much of just trying to take care of my teeth on my own so i couldn't imagine trying to do get take care of my dental on top of getting everything else in order even now like i still don't even think that that's at the top of the list right now because of everything else that i'm trying to to get back in place with reentering into the community and everything
0: i remember reading this article from PBS about what kind of dental care people do or do not get in prison and jails and i'm Sure, everyone can probably just fill in the blank that it's little to nothing. They were telling this story about a man who was uh, in a car crash that he caused and, and so he was going to go to prison for that. I don't know the exact specifics of it, but in that car crash, his front two incisors hit his steering wheel. And once he got to prison, they were like straight up, they were like, you're gonna lose those teeth. And once that happens, we will help you. Um, until then, that's unfortunate. You're just going to have to live with that. And, you know, he went through all of the procedure. They ended up, they did fall out. It was a whole thing. Um, By the time the jail finally got it to go through the proper applications and processes to get him to get those teeth replaced, there had been an update in legislation or policy in which that was now deemed a cosmetic procedure. And so it was not going to be approved. There's no way that that was going to happen. And so... He was saying how it was a problem to eat. Just like literally living was horrific to him then on top of living in a a prison. So and those stories go on through the whole article. They just are on top of one after the other. But as we keep saying, mental health issues are exasperated by prison. Physical health problems are exasperated by prison. Prison is not the answer if you can't tell the point we're, like, rushing into. Um, but that just, I thought about that when you guys were talking about it, how even prison continues to exasperate or create new problems. Story also tells about someone who had great dental care eating the horrible food in prison. He got a cavity. He'd never had a cavity. They finally give him a fill, the fill breaks. He's in horrible pain. And they're like, well, we already gave you a filling. I don't know what you want me to do about that. And just stories for days about about that.
1: I I got one for you. So when I was incarcerated, I was in my early 20s and I had problems with my wisdom teeth. Just telling them I I was in thriving pain for two weeks. Two weeks, kept going to medical for two weeks. They just kept giving me uh, ibuprofen to the point to where my stomach started bleeding. Because I was taking so much ibuprofen that I was trying to kill the pain. So they finally said, okay, the dentist comes once a month. (laughs) Once a month. So it took me almost two months to a month and a half to see the dentist. The dentist shows up to extract my wisdom tooth, doesn't numb it, is in my mouth for two hours, plus trying to uh, uh, surgically extract my wisdom tooth. Over two hours with no number, no anything, finally gets it out. My whole face is swole. The whole side of my face is swole by the time he's done because he's been working it so hard. Uh, uh, I can rarely talk. They proceed to give me more ibuprofen and tell me to go back to the unit and that's it. That's it. So after two hours in my mouth and and I wouldn't have necessarily took a painkiller but they could have numbed it, right? They didn't even numb it. They just said, yeah, you need it out. It don't matter. We're gonna get it out. We're not, we're gonna spend the least amount of money on on uh on supplies and chemicals. We're just gonna pull it out with these metal tools and you're gonna be on your own after that. Also, uh, when you're incarcerated, you have to take a shower in a pie where everyone else is taking a shower. And a lot of these people might not even take a shower a couple of times a, a month. Um, it, it it can lead to you having foot fungus that that that'll that'll stick with you for a lifetime. Um, uh, staff infections. There's all kind of things uh, that happen to you in prison that will never happen to you uh, while you're in, in in the free world, you know. And I just think all the money that they get for the prisons that there's no way that it should be that way. They should at least be able to have a clean facilities. For all the millions, probably billions of dollars they're getting now in the state of Oklahoma.
0: And I think education in destigmatizing every single part of this. So destigmatizing that mental health is the reason that people are incarcerated very often and they shouldn't be. Mental health is the leading cause for people to have both drug charges and property crime charges. Just point blank. It is. And that is wrong. The carceral system was deemed a long time ago a one-stop shop for people who have mental health disorders, and we were wrong. And we need to live in a society in which we can say, that was a mistake. That was not the proper thing. Or, even better, I don't know if I see a society in which this happens, but a society in which we can say, that was wrong of us to do on purpose. Let's fix that. And then- In the end, I hope that Oklahomans for Criminal Justice Reform and our coalition of partners can provide a system in which there's affordable health care for people. There's essential steps to making a system that serves every single Oklahoman, no matter what they look like, no matter which county they're from, no matter if it's rural or city or anything like that.
1: That's right, Ashley. And um, to piggyback off of what you were saying, um, my, my closing remarks would be to believe in humanity. We often think that the things society tell us are true and uh they may be true for a group of people but let's keep in mind that society does not have the answer for everyone in society um society has made some outcasts that don't deserve to be outcasts because we are all human beings and we're all due diligence to make mistakes and be able to come back from them and still live a healthy life And I would also like to encourage um, young brothers, young Black men out in the community, um, even if you haven't been um, formerly incarcerated, to get out and start being more active in the community, um, as far as taking walks, uh, exercising, ride a bike, the gym is not always the answer. The gym can lead to more mental health problems because there's a lot of egos and self-esteem things happen inside the gym. If you can get good health in a the gym, then that's, that's a thumbs up. But don't forget, Mother Nature <clears throat> can be the greatest healer. We can go talk to therapists. We can talk to our friends. But I promise you, if you get out in nature and become more with nature, who created us all, it will make you more centered and will give you more energy, more focus, and more motivation to be a better person, a better human being, and have more understanding for not only people who look like you, but also people who don't look like you. Because the system was set up out of fear. And if you can understand the reason that that fear or try to understand why that fear exists and, 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 and knock down some of those barriers. That is an awesome way to be able to build or, and start anew, even if it's changing the current, uh, uh, the way the current system is now or figuring out a way to create a whole new one. Let's keep having these conversations. Let's do our best to be positive and continue to uplift each other, even when we're tired, stressed out, and overwhelmed. And I just want to thank my colleagues and co-workers for having me on and helping me facilitate this conversation. Blessed to all.
2: Absolutely, Ryan. And I would just like to speak to that as well. If we would all just be more aware, then it would make it easier for those to even walk in or overcome these issues because it won't be so quiet and it won't be such a thing that you got to sweep under the rug or something that you feel like you just can't overcome because it's not it's not something that's so open and put out there and that it's okay everyone I believe has some sort of mental issue or some sort of struggle or something that they deal with so it's I'm so glad that it's being so much more open and publicized now that it's okay. It's okay to get help. It's okay to go through whatever you're going through. It is okay (laughs) in that you, in just knowing that it's okay, that you will overcome somehow by knowing that it's okay. And that's one of the, the things that I look forward to hearing when I'm going through something, when someone can just grab me and say, hey, it's okay then that makes me it takes a whole load off and then i can just kind of start from step one and go on so i just appreciate ryan for sharing his um experiences um, as being a man and dealing with this type of thing that's very awesome to be able to shed some light on the things that he does the things that he's seen and experienced i think that is so amazing and um Lastly, if we could just consider some of the things that we talked about, like the data and the um, points that we made of the stigma, and just just continue to shed this information and share it with amongst your daily conversations, just to kind of get it out there. That I believe that we could help get the message out there that forget the stigmas. Take that off. Take all of that off. It is okay.
0: In Oklahoma, we are really lucky to also have 988 implemented. If you even are just needing someone to speak to, even if you're anxious or alone, a lot of people think that 988, which is the suicide prevention um, hotline that you have to be either A, in the middle of an episode, or B, only having actual suicidal ideation. You don't have to. You could be anxious. You could be depressed. You could just be sad. It doesn't have to be at the worst point for you for you to utilize this resource. So you can text 988. You can call them. Either way, as a 24-7 hotline that provides just access. It's a free crisis counselor. So obviously their utmost concern is going to be that you're safe and that you are in a place to um, not be harmed or have harm done to you. Um, With that, that concludes today's episode of Navigating Justice. Join us next time as we continue to explore important topics and share the stories that inspire change. Until then, take care and be well.